Good morning. Welcome again. Uh, it's so good to be with you uh, this day. I want to ask you the question, what do you trust to get you where you need to go? What do you trust to get you where you need to go? I remember the days of paper maps. We used to have a stack of paper maps and Thomas Brothers guides and AAA books in the car to get us. Anybody remember paper maps? Yeah, we got a few. Some of the youth are in here. What, what's that, a map made out of paper? It's strange. Uh, but, but we used to use those, but we had a major upgrade, I think, in the world, and that is the upgrade to Google Maps, to car navigation. And I trust and love Google Maps. You can drop me in any city in America with my phone, and I can open the Google Maps app, and I can find the nearest Chick-fil-A, right? I can navigate around traffic. I can find gas stations and rest stops. It is amazing. I trust Google Maps to guide me. And Google Maps works really well in America. Google Maps is less reliable in Africa. And I learned that the hard way. Uh, my family and I we used to live in Ghana, a country in West Africa, and uh, we would we'd go, on, go on trips. In particular, I did a lot of traveling with my, my colleagues with, with IJM who were Ghanaian, and uh, we'd have to find places that we'd never been, and I would say, hey, let me just open Google Maps. And they would laugh at me and say, Google Maps doesn't work in Africa. It's like, oh, yes, it does. Let me show you. And they'd say, no, 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 let me show you local Google. I said, oh, local Google, oh, great, how do I download that, you know? And they laugh at me, and they said, we'll show you local Google. And they pull over the side of the road, and they roll down a window, and they ask someone for directions. <laughs> the person gives them directions, and they say, that's local Google. <laughs> and sometimes when we'd be looking for some place where we'd never been, we would have a contest, right, about who can navigate better. And I'm using Google Maps, and they're using local Google, and we'll see who's gonna be more accurate. Now, of course, I'm a little bit cocky because I've got satellite imagery. And they're getting directions that say, turn left at the third mango tree and then turn right at the second soup pot. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> what is that against satellite imagery? So this one time, uh, I decided to take my family on a road trip to the beach, about an hour's drive for us where we were going. And... Uh, and, that, and, and I'm just like, uh, my, my friends, my Ghanaian friends said, well, let, let, let's give you directions. And I scoffed. I said, I have Google Maps. I'm fine. And they said, don't trust. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. And I, with my great, great pride in my own navigation system, I, I set out to, to navigate my family to the beach. And it worked really well until it didn't. And uh, we, we, we leave what seems to be a main road, and Google Maps is showing me what, what seems to be a, a shortcut, and I trust it. And I start going down the road, and um, Joy starts to ask questions like, are, 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 you, are, you, are, you sure? are you sure about this road? Are you sure you know the way? And I'm like, look, I have satellite imagery. You can see the path to the beach. Google Maps never fails. Besides, I have four-wheel drive. The road starts to get narrower, the bushes closer. Rivers begin to appear across the road 
I cross the rivers. The rivers become little deeper canyons. I cross the canyons. My kids start saying to me, Daddy, Daddy, are you sure about this? This seems like a goat path, not a road. I'm surrounded by naysayers. My friends, my wife, my kids telling me to turn around. No, I say. And I continued driving down the goat path until we got to this village, a village with no cars. Some people pointed at us and laughed, having never seen a car drive down the goat path before. (laughs) I continued on. Despite everybody telling me to stop, everybody turned me around, I trusted my navigational system, I trusted what I could see in the satellite picture until I got to the cliff. (laughs) And I slammed on my brakes, and we screamed a bit, and we looked down to our certain death down the cliff. And I decided, I, I didn't listen to my wife, or my friends, or my kids, but I listened to the cliff. And at last, I turned around, went back down the goat path to the main road, and I asked local Google. (laughs) And I made it to the beach eventually. Today we start a series, the book of Proverbs called Wise Up. If you haven't gotten one of these, you can get them from the ushers on the way out. This is our study Uh, I'll be preaching on Sundays, and then you're invited to join a group to discuss on here. And we're studying the book of Proverbs, asking God to give us wisdom for our lives. And the book of Proverbs teaches us that we all need to pick a navigation system for our lives. What are the voices that we're going to listen to when we hit forks in the road? We have to make crucial life choices where going this way or that way have consequences in our lives What voices do we listen to? Will it be Google Maps or local Google? Will it be the voice of folly? Or will it be the voice of the wisdom of the word of God? How will you orient your life? What voice will you listen to? Your own inner confidence? The voices of other people? What is it gonna be? The book of Proverbs teaches us that a lot of suffering in life, not all suffering, but a lot of suffering in our lives is self-induced. Describes these early chapters that we're focusing, what we just heard read, the scripture we just heard read is from Proverbs chapter one and chapter two. And they introduce these two voices that compete for our attention in this life. There is the voice of folly or foolishness And there's the voice of wisdom, which leads to life and health and and, uh, good choices. There's folly and wisdom. And they're both personified as two women. There's Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly that are both uh, speaking, trying to get our attention. I'll give you a sample of this in in, uh, chapter 1, verse 20. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public sphere. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gates, she makes her speech. So it depicts the public places. These are the the, the places of, 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 of influence, the places in which decisions are made. And wisdom is there. Wisdom, there's some voice of wisdom in the places of commerce, where justice is determined, where court cases are decided, 
in all human interactions, in politics, there's places in the public sphere where you could find the voice of wisdom. But in all of those places, wisdom is not the only voice being spoken. We also have Lady Folly. We see this in chapter 9, verse 13. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. But as we read on in the book of Proverbs, we learn that in her house is the place of the dead. And there's bones of deceased people in her house. That if we we listen to the voice of folly, we enter in for the delights that folly leads us to. It's the way of death and destruction. And so in our lives, we have these competing voices, wisdom and folly. You can maybe think of them similar to like the old cartoons that used to, someone's making a decision and you're like, pop, pop. There's like an angel and a devil on their shoulders, right? Uh, One uh, telling them to do the right thing, one trying to do the wrong thing. It's kind of like we're living in our lives in a way in which we always have this voice of wisdom, voice of folly telling us which thing that we should do. I want to show you a, a, a compilation video right now of people who faced choices. And they probably had friends, uh, almost there, they probably had friends in their lives that were saying, hey, here's some wise advice. But then they had some other friends saying, here, I'll hold your beer. Go try it. Let's roll it. Come on. Oh man, this is not gonna end well. <laughs> Anybody ever tried this before? <laughs> oh man, this sounds terrible. <laughs> he doesn't know yet. There he goes. <laughs> oh, let's try this again. Oh. This looks like a good idea. <laughs> Oh, who hasn't tried this one? What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Oh yeah, this is gonna end well. Si. 
<laughs> I love fail army. I'm sure in a lot of those situations, right, when they're, when they're lowering the, when they're going to lower that closet, you know, down from the third floor with ropes, somebody said, hey, maybe we should use the elevator. Like, no, 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 I got it, right? Somebody told the prime delivery guy, always set your parking brake, right? He's like, no, 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 it's not, not necessary, right? A lot of the problems in our life come from self-inflicted arrogance. <laughs> I can do this and not listening to the voice of caution in our lives. I wanna share with you, uh, just from these opening chapters, three observations about foolishness or folly and three observations about wisdom that we get from these opening chapters of Proverbs. Here's the first observation. Foolishness is not about mental faculty. Foolishness is a chosen spiritual and relational posture. It's a very different word in Hebrew, the word fool, from words like um, idiot or stupid or moron. Like when we think about that, it's a very different uh, word. When we think of the, the word fool in the Bible, it is not talking about someone who is unintelligent. It's talking about a choice that they make. You can be, in fact, a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist or a software engineer and still be foolish. Foolish is a chosen spiritual and relational posture. It has to do with who we listen to when people give us correction. Uh, chapter one, verse 23. Repent at my rebuke, and then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings, but since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, then there's destruction. Foolishness is not about how smart you are, it's about how well you listen. I was a fool when I was driving to the beach and I almost took us over a cliff and I would not listen to other advice. Every night at dinner, since I became a parent almost, I have compulsively moved my kids' water glasses away from the edge of the table over and over again as a dad. That's my job at the table is I just, oh, like that. Oh, I move it like that. Because the kids, for whatever reason, they like to, they like to, they, to drink their glass and then they set it right on the edge. I never figure this out. Right on the edge where anybody can, anything can just knock it off, right? And I just, oh, oh let's just put that more in the middle, right? And, and, and what do they do when I move their glass? Do they say, oh, dad, oh, thank you for noticing my error and bringing me healthy and biblical correction into my life. Thank you for moving my glass to a more wise placement. Is that what they say to me? No, they don't say that to me. I've never heard them say that once. They say, come on, dad, it's gonna be fine. I like it there on the edge. It's more accessible. It's fine. But you know what? It's not always fine. It's not always fine. 
because sometimes it breaks and then I step on it. And multiple times I've gotten glass from their, their cups into my own feet. So it's not always fine. But that's the posture we all take, isn't it, often? The posture of foolishness. It's gonna be fine. And everybody in that fail army video thought it was gonna be fine. Point number two, fools like their folly. They prefer comfortable delusions over truth, wisdom, and the fear of God. Fools like their folly. They prefer comfortable delusions over truth, wisdom, and the fear of God. Foolishness in the Bible is a choice. Let me show you verse 22. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Now see, this kind of changes our picture of a fool. A fool is not a victim. We might think, a, you might uh, wrongly think that the fool is like, oh, well, you know, they're just kind of born a fool. They do silly things. It's just kind of who they are. It's how they're wired. But no, foolishness in the Bible is a choice because they like their folly. They're not someone who says, oh, I wish I was wise. I wish I made good choices, but I just keep making foolish choices. They are choosing folly. Why do you think conspiracy theories are so popular today? Why is it? It seems like every, every couple weeks, I see someone who seems otherwise like a good grounded person forwarding or posting some bizarre conspiracy theory, something like this. I just found out that coronavirus and the Western wildfires are hoaxes perpetrated by the Illuminati who are in secret league with North Korea and Elvis. And they are planning to take over America with their mind control Wi-Fi device. Okay, maybe not all of that in the same form, but you know what I'm talking about, right? We, why is it that people get so into conspiracy theories? I think it's just because they are fun. It's, there's like some kind of a rush that we get from having some kind of secret knowledge that nobody else knows. Oh my gosh, we just discovered something. We can't wait to share it. And so people cling to these conspiracy theories despite indisputable evidence to the contrary. Please, my brothers and sisters, stop listening to voices like QAnon. We have enough real problems in the world without inventing even more. We need to solve the real problems. As Christians, we follow a Lord who says, I am the truth. So we need to be as passionate as anyone else about discerning what real truth is and sifting out all the garbage that's out there. We need to always be people who fact check before we forward, amen? The Proverbs teach us that fools, the fool not only likes his folly, but he hates uncomfortable truth. And we as Christians need to be willing to face uncomfortable truth. This is the one thing that the character of the fool in Proverbs never does. The fool never wants to be confronted with truth that's uncomfortable. The fool in Proverbs interprets every rebuke as a threat instead of an invitation to a better life. I was a fool 
driving on the goat path, when everyone said, turn around, turn around, Matt, that just doesn't, it does the signs seem to indicate this is not actually a road. And I said, I'm gonna do it my way. That was the posture of a fool. So I, t- I tuned out all uncomfortable truths. Fools like their folly and they hide from correction. Observation three, foolishness leads to suffering. Foolishness leads to suffering. Our actions have consequences for us and other people. When we make choices, they have consequences for us and other people. Verse 29, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. When we believe foolish and silly things, when we rely on our own judgment, when we tune out the wise advice of friends, godly, wise friends, and the word of the Lord, We say, I'm gonna do it my own way. There's consequences and we will eat the fruit of our choices. Uh, For um, many of the early years of my ministry career, for about a decade in um, Davis, California, I was a pastor to college students. And uh, so as a pastor to college students, I found myself frequently sitting uh, over a cup of coffee with a, a student that wanted to kind of just seek my advice on something. And what do you think is the number one uh, category of advice college students wanted? What do you think? Dating. Dating. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it was like 75% of the questions had something to do with a romantic relationship. And I remember this one particular student who was one of my, uh, my student leaders, and she came to me and said, hey, Matt, can, can we talk? You know, can can, can we talk? I just needed some wisdom on something. I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And we, we got together and, and we met and she said, okay, so, so, I, so I met this boy. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's where this is going. Okay, so I met this boy and he's cute and he's funny. He has a job and he's a Christian. Like those are four check marks in my four boxes. He's my dream guy. He's everything I ever wanted. And I'm like, that's great, that's great. So, so like, what's the, what's the problem? And she said, well, there's just one problem. He's married. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I said, he's, he's, he's married? And she said, oh no, no, don't, don't judge me, pastor. I would never knowingly date a married man. He didn't tell me about it for the first six months we were together. And I'm like, he lied to you? He's like, oh no, 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 not just me. He lied to everybody. His mom didn't even know he's married. All right, this one was a first for me, okay? And I said, hold on, you, t- you just told me, this is the only things I know about this guy, you, I mean, you, you told me he's married, he lied to you for six months about that fact, and he lies to his mom about his marital status. So what's your question? And she said to me, so uh, what do you think? What do I think? I think you should run. 
you need to run. You need to run away from this guy. And she said, oh, so, so, so you think it's like a yellow flag? And I said, it's a red flag. That's the biggest red flag I've ever heard. You need to run. So what did she say to me? She said, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go get a second opinion. She goes off and she looks for an advisor until she can find an advisor to tell her to do the thing she already wants to do. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever shopped for advice until you find someone who tells you you should do the thing that you want to do? This is what people most often do with advice. They're not actually looking for wise counsel to correct their folly. They're looking for someone to give assent to their bad choice. And we can find the voice of folly everywhere, Proverbs says. Shouted from the rooftops, called out to us in the street. And the voice of folly is loud and convincing and persuasive and everywhere. Who here has a foolish friend? Anybody? Oh, come on. We all have got foolish, foolish friends. It's easy to find that. But there's another voice. There's the voice of wisdom. The voice of wisdom, you have to train your ear to hear. You have to actually nurture in yourself the habit of seeking out hard words from wise people. And so let me switch now from focusing on folly to focusing on training our minds to recognize the voice of wisdom. So here's three observations about wisdom from the opening chapters of Proverbs. The first one is this. Wisdom is bestowed by the wise onto the willing. Wisdom is bestowed by the wise onto the willing. We see this in verse eight. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. These are wise parents who've been around the block a few times. They've had some life experiences. They've learned from the school of hard knocks. They've now come to a point where they have something they wanna pass on to the next generation and they're pleading with that younger generation to heed their advice. I, wanna, I want you to do something real fast. I want you to just look around and find someone who, looks, who appears to you to be older than you. Okay, look around. There's only gonna be one person in the room who can't accomplish this task. Everybody but one. Look around, find someone that you can just look at and they're older than you. Okay. Everybody but one person, find the person. There's someone in this room older than you. I want you to say to yourself, that person might have something to teach me. They might have experienced or learned something that I don't yet know. I might learn from their wisdom. A lot of times young people who are Christian make one fatal mistake. They, 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 they wanna go find a church that has all young people, right? 
I've seen this happen a ton of times, but we are so blessed to be an intergenerational church where you can look around and say, you know what, that person has something to guide me. They know something I don't yet know. But we have to seek out that voice and say, hey, I wanna know you, I want you to know me so you can speak into my life. I've done a lot of, uh, a lot of coaching I coach, uh, I've coached uh, preachers, I've coached people in, in acting, I've uh, done a lot of sports coaching. Right now I, I coach two teams, the, the, the Chaos Queens and the Pink Fluffy Panthers, okay? The Pink Fluffy Panthers, that's my boys team, okay? Uh, the Chaos Queens is my, is my girls team. And, and when I'm coaching someone in any of those venues, whether it's the preaching or, or whether it's sports or anything, I can tell when I'm coaching somebody within the first few interactions how much progress they're gonna make. There's just one trait that, that determines how much progress they're gonna make. What do you think that is? Is it intelligence? Is it sophistication, natural, physical ability? Is it charisma? It's none of those things. It's coachability. Does the person want to be coached? Is the person humble enough to listen to somebody else's perspective? Are they hungry enough to improve that they want to be coached? So I go up to a kid who's just kicked the ball and rolled over the top and fallen down on their butt. And I go to them and say, hey, the reason that you fell is kind of the way you were standing and kind of your angle. If you fix that, you're not gonna fall on your butt anymore. The person's going to say one of two things. The kid's going to say either, coach, I know, I know, it was just, it just, I slipped. I mean, it's fine. It won't happen again. I, I know how to kick a ball, coach. I don't need your coaching. And if I hear that from a kid, I know right then and there, that kid is not going to win a World Cup for America. Okay? Not going to happen. They're going to get stuck at their current skill level forever. But if a kid said, coach, teach me. How do I know? Speaking of what I do wrong, how can I get better? That kid has unlimited potential and they will get better. Are we coachable in life? Are we coachable in life or have we arrived at a place where we're like, well, we're an adult now. We don't need any more coaching. But wisdom is bestowed by the wise onto the willing. Observation two, wisdom is a treasure to be sought at any cost. Chapter two, verse one. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for a, a hidden tre treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Folly is easy to find. You can go up to anybody and say, give me some folly. They can give you some folly. But wisdom you have to go looking for. You've got to go get it. And wisdom calls out to you. You've got to incline your ear and teach your mind, teach your heart to look for it like it's silver, like it's treasure. You've got to orient your life around the quest for God's wisdom. There's one thing that I want to leave you with today. My hope and prayer is that you will all leave this room more thirsty for wisdom. More thirsty for wisdom. Oh, God, give me wisdom. 
finding wise people in your lives that you can talk about your life with, looking for godly, wise counsel. If you leave the room more thirsty for wisdom, then you will be greatly better off. Now, I believe that each of us needs people in our lives that are gonna be open and honest with us and, and in our quest to gain wisdom. We are, all have blind spots and we need a group of people whom we are talking about our life with and studying the word of God with in order to grow in wisdom. So if you're new to the church, I wanna explain to you that we have something called life groups. Maybe if you've been to another, another uh, church, you will call them like small groups or Bible studies. But these are groups of people that just gather together and maybe it's somewhere between maybe six and 14 people or so that gather together a lot of times in homes, sometimes in one room in the church. It might be on like a Saturday morning. It might be on like a Wednesday evening or a Wednesday morning or, or whatever time. There's different times where people gather together and there's just a, a place of friendship. It's a place for you to get to know some other people, for you to look at the Bible together and, and dive into it, try to understand what is it saying, uh, try to understand the, the word of God, and then also how to apply it to your life. And you can talk about different life situations and you can help grow in wisdom. And I wanna encourage every one of you to be part of one of these groups. We're starting some new groups uh, for this series and we're also adding people. It's an open invitation for a number of groups saying, hey, we, would this be a great time to come join our group? And you can just sign up to be part of these just for 10 weeks and uh, you miss a, you know, a couple, it's, it's, it's okay, but uh, the idea is you just you come for these 10 weeks and study the Bible together and kind of just talk about life and usually come out of it with having some new friends and some new understanding of the word. And it's so important to me that I wanna spend a moment, I just really wanna uh, uh, explain very well how you can tell us that you're interested, how you can tell us that you're interested. So if you haven't yet gotten, this is the study guide that we're gonna be using the next 10 weeks. And on the inside, there is a card in which you can fill out or you can do it digitally. And I know, I know this might be a repeat for some of you, but I wanna watch, we have a little video to show you, if you're new, how you go about doing that. You'll see the QR code on the, on the bench, you turn your phone on, camera on. Can we, I think we have a video to show it, don't we? All right, you open the camera app. You point at that QR code on the thing, you see the little yellow thing that comes up? You touch that with your finger, it's gonna open your browser. And up at the very top, we move to the top of the big box, says join a life group. You push that, and you can just give us some information, your name, address, I mean, what, uh, if you don't want me to know where you live, just skip that part, it's okay. Just fill in uh, information that we can get in touch with you, your preferred method of contact. You can just do that right now. I'd love for you to pull out your phone, you can do it right now. Uh, you can tell us what kind of group you're interested, men, women, young adults, co-ed, couples, or, or you're already in a life group. Uh, those are some examples of times in which you might be able to meet or you can put other. Do you prefer in-person inside, in-person outside or virtual? Would you be interested in facilitating or you could be potentially become a facilitator, a leader? Okay, let's see, someone type this in. I would love to host, thanks. Pa oh, <laughs> Pastor Matt. All right, there we go. You can give, me, give us a little comment like that. I'm thinking, then you click submit, the submit button there. And that's it. Very simple, right? And uh, we'll get in touch with you and say, hey, we've got a group that kind of matches what you're looking for. You wanna come check it out and we'll reach out to you. So we wanna make it as easy as possible. If you do that, you'll get a phone call 
within the first couple of weeks and, and with an invitation to join a group. Uh, I wanna invite everybody to do that right now. And here's the thing, if you're already part of a Wise Up Life group, uh, or you've already done this, hey, you can click on that QR code and you can submit a prayer request or you can scan down and read the weekly. But before I give my last point about Proverbs, I just wanna give us a minute to do that right now because it's that important to me that, that some of our new folks or people not in life groups. So would you guys all just take a minute right now and uh, you can get out your phone, scan the QR code, or you can use the paper version. There's, there's pens on the pew. And let's just take a, a minute to go ahead and do that right now. I hear the websites moving slowly because we have hundreds of people joining life groups. So that's okay. Just keep persevere, persevere. Okay. And if you don't get the chance to finish in the service, you can just kind of uh, finish, finish after when the, the thing unfreezes. Um, uh, I'm telling you, if you check out one of these life groups, uh, you will be so blessed. You'll understand the word of God more. You will have some new friends and hopefully uh, learn to make wise choices in life. As you, as you, you can finish that. I want to just give you my last and final, final observation about wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Third observation is this. Wisdom is a gift from the Lord that leads to life. Wisdom is a gift from the Lord that leads to life. Chapter two, verse six, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And so we learn that God gives us wisdom through different means. Sometimes it's just through our own study of, of the Bible and the Lord speaks to us wisdom that way. Sometimes God puts a, a wise, godly mentor into our life that can come speak wisdom in. Uh, sometimes from a life group. But all of that is wisdom. That's a gift that God wants to give to you. And it's a gift that brings life to you. It's a gift that keeps on giving. As you grow in wisdom, you become a blessing and a source of wisdom for those around you. It's almost like somebody hands you a compass or like a superior version of Google Maps that will navigate you through the choices that you need to make in life. They hand you 
this navigation system, you can find your way. We see this in chapter two, verse seven. The Lord holds success in store for the upright, and he is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. And then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Ultimately, that's the end goal, is that wisdom enters into your soul. When my parents were raising me, and they would give me correction when they used to slide my glass of ice water away from the edge of the table, when I would get mouthy and my dad would have to correct me, when I would do something foolish and they would say, that's pretty foolish, why don't you wise up, Matt? The goal was not just behavior modification, that I would just kind of give them less trouble when I was a child. The goal was that wisdom would enter my heart so that I, when I become a man, I don't live my life as a fool, but I live my life as a wise person. And that's what I want for my kids. I think that's what you want for your kids or your grandkids, for the generation that follows you. We hope that we're so steeped in the wisdom of God that we have some bit of wisdom to impart to the generation that follows us. So my hope and prayer is that in these next 10 weeks, we would open ourselves and say, oh God, bring voices into my life that are not always comfortable, that can challenge me and shape me and lead me in the path of goodness and righteousness and wisdom. Would you pray with me? Lord, we pray that. I pray that over everybody in this room. Fill us with wisdom. Lord, for those of us that are exploring getting into life groups, we pray that you would just guide us into the right group, that we can find some godly friends that just share our lives with and, and develop these new friendships. We pray that we would we'd be able to study your word and just grow in wisdom. Lord, just guide us. And, and for those of us who've made foolish mistakes, we all have, we just, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy through Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you pick us up and you put us back on the right road. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us in worship today. If any of you uh, would like prayer about anything, we have some uh, uh, prayer team members that will be right over here and you can come to them and they'll pray with you about anything. And we also have, if you're newish here, you'd like to know more uh, about our church, uh, I'd love to meet with you for five to seven minutes right over here, Sue. Uh, we'll, we'll join over here and we can share with you a little bit about, about the church. Thanks for being here today. Uh, there's coffee, refreshments uh, out on the patio. I invite you to stay and fellowship for a while. Don't forget to click submit on that little survey that you did so we can help you get connected to some, some friends to study the Bible with. Uh, hear now this blessing, this benediction. May the Lord your God, may Christ Jesus, may the Holy Spirit be with you. May God be your guide and the light for your path. May the Lord be your vision. May the Lord be your wisdom. May the Lord be your guide and lead you to life. In Jesus' name, amen.